Welcome back to I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess, part of the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. My guest this afternoon is Sven, a fellow podcaster, also with the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me today, Sven. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's start with our connection. It's Champagne Showers. How do you know our leader and why and when did you start with this network? I guess I'm more of, in a way, sort of accidentally met, buzzed. I think we were setting up for a record store day or some kind of Pygmalion thing. At the time, he was working for Pygmalion and and was setting up and was a talent scout. I don't know the full extent. That's kind of interesting. But we kind of met and talked because I was helping set up some audio over at Exile on Main Street. And somehow that we, we were aware of each other at that point. And then I don't really know if this is a great story or anything, but we ended up just after I had started this podcast and I was just going along, I think it was probably, I think I was at least like 20 episodes deep when he approached me and said, I'm looking to build a podcast network of just very unique, hyper-local focused podcasts. And I would call that the Champagne Shower Podcast Network. I don't know. I, I think that he sincerity and just the way that he was like, I'm not going to do anything that ever limits how you do your podcast. I just want the material that you're working on to be a part of this podcast. And I felt like it was in line with the mission of Champagne is also a fan. Let's talk about your podcast. How do you choose guests? What's the focus? Tell me a little bit more detail. Sometimes I let, I guess, social media or sometimes I have in mind a trajectory about what kind of music, what kind of people that I'd like to interview, what what new things I'd like to explore. Some of it even for my own you know, I'm like, this is really kind of interesting. I really want to talk to this person. Sometimes I also get approached by some musicians that would like me to interview them because they know that they're going to be releasing something new. I also try to find ones that aren't necessarily getting out there or are not necessarily recognized at this point as being part of the local scene. Sometimes I'll scour Bandcamp just looking to see who is from Champaign, Illinois or Urbana, Illinois, or even if it says central Illinois, I'll kind of look into it, kind of creep on their Facebook page. You know, it's just been very interesting to see the variety and base of the music that is created here. And then to see it extend beyond just Champaign-Urbana when, because we live in a college town, some of these musicians will move out and go to their respective new places of employment, wherever, you know, back home. And it's just like that seed kind of spread. And I feel like looking at those different aspects is very just interesting. And I don't know, I feel like I'm going on this wild tangent, but I don't really know how I pick. Sometimes I say, well, I talked to somebody in this genre. I think I need to do someone in this genre now or I feel like this is a really interesting person. I saw them post something about social activism, and I felt like if we can also highlight that social activism all at the same time, I feel like that brings a whole to just the musician themselves, right? So that there's a bigger picture. Here's the heavy part of your story. 
in 2007, your wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. You were her caretaker. She wanted you to find something that got you out of the house. So you started running. First of all, tell me how she's doing. She's doing wonderfully. That was February of 2007. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. I think what's interesting is, is I think about how there are certain milestones that a person that is that that has gone through cancer has to hit. It's the five-year mark. And I guess sometimes I, I see quite a, an allegory between, you know, I guess maybe a metaphor, I don't know, between the, the journey that I've taken with running or as I like to call it, jogging, and the cancer journey, the life journey that happens afterwards. I feel like the the five-year mark was was a mark at which when she was what they call no evidence of disease or NED, when they said there's no more evidence of cancer after five years, it's kind of like you can breathe a certain sigh of relief. And then after 10 years, there's a sigh of relief. But after that, I think it would be absolutely terrifying if she were to ever be re-diagnosed, which facing the fact that she is BRCA positive, that means that there is, you know, she is genetically disposed to have breast cancer again. And so it's, it's this ever looming thing. The long story short is it's been a while, but it, it hangs over our heads, but she's doing wonderfully. So I, I don't know. I got all dark there for a second. I don't know how you don't get dark. You and your wife are part of the Young Survival Coalition, and you ran in the Chicago Marathon in the fall of 2007. You started hanging out with the Immerman Angels. They support cancer victims and their families. Can you tell me about Immerman Angels? Immerman Angels is an organization that matches cancer fighters with cancer survivors. And what it does is it creates a mentor that someone who at any stage of their diagnosis, so even if they've been diagnosed a year ago and they're still fighting or if they've, they've gone through it and they're past the point of their treatment and they still need to reach out and talk to somebody, they can connect with Everman Angels and they will match them up with a mentor angel, someone who has gone through the same situation and as an example of what it's like going through cancer. So in a way, it's, it's somebody who can be a peer, somebody who can guide you the rest of the way and not in, not in a medical sense because that, that should be left up to the doctor and your support staff that are helping you through the process. But this is that emotional connection. It's that support that knows, hey, you know what? When I was going through chemo, I found out that lemon heads were something that got that icky taste out of my mouth. Hey, tried that. Or I experienced what bone pain meant and I knew what that meant and I found that this helped. Or, you know, it's really difficult when your parents try to be, you know, overbearing and try to interfere. And, you know, that's really difficult. But I found out that this is, you know, this is what I did. And, and I just kind of randomly pulled out some examples. But, but those are things where it's super important to have someone that you can interact with that has gone through the same thing. So... And I guess the, the thing that struck me the most about Immerman Angels is that their overall demeanor, if you would say an organization have a demeanor, is that, and it means that everyone in that organization carries this, this characteristic, is this very positive and very energetic and, and very forward. And like, there is a future, there is something to go forward towards. 
I just gravitated towards that because I found that they were a supportive and amazing group. And one of the main things that I really found important is that they focus on caregivers as well, as well so that the caregivers can also find support and have someone to talk to because caregivers tend to get kind of tossed into the background. Now, flash forward to your backyard and they decided to put a marathon in Champaign-Urbana. You bought a pair of costume wings to represent your team of angels. What's the story with the wings? Being a charity runner is is more than just fundraising for the the organization you're running with. In some ways, it's also how do you bring awareness to an organization? Because really, yes, money money is important that that drives an organization that keeps it afloat. But having the ability to reach out to people in a moment of darkness would need support and know that that's something that's available. I can't tell you how many times that I, as a runner, I started wearing the wings as, as kind of a way to be a standout, be somebody that gets recognized. I don't know. I guess I didn't think of the full impact, but I also was like, well, I want to make sure that people see me and know and see the jersey that I'm running with. I, I want them to understand that this is a charity that I care a lot about. And it started off with, you know, some costume wings that I, I bought at Dallas and Company. So sad to see them go. But of course, the innards of the wings were cardboard. And, you know, as one that does any level of exercise, you may recognize the fact that you sweat. And so the straps uh, stayed with me, but the wings started becoming detached from the straps. And so I would say at about like mile 20 or so, they they were flopping around and not very comfortable. And so I ended up just kind of carrying them with me. And I was able to connect up with my wife's cousin, Laura, who is my wing person, who is an amazing sewer and seamstress or whatever you want to call it. She crafted some wings and, and we've actually, we're, I'm actually on my fourth version right now. And so there's like different kinds of straps that have come together and, and different material inside, some special wicking material. I mean, it's been its own strange science experiment in itself. It was this moment when I realized that this was something that I could also begin to carry the people that had inspired me. And so these costume wings had turned into these I want to say like a canvas for people, images of those that had been with us and those that were no longer with us and those that were fighting, still fighting, and those that were done fighting, but, you know, it it had taken its toll. And so I started doing prints of of people and and their families and like laminating them and then pinning them to the back of the wings. Officially, I've done 79 marathons. And so I've worn wings for 77 of them. So it's been something that has always been with me through this journey. Another part of my costume too has been this poofy hat thingy. When you go through chemo, you lose all your hair. And one of the things that they do is they'll give you something to keep your head warm. And that pink thing is something that is used to keep your head warm when it is a really hot day, which, of course, you know, I've, I've run a few really, really hot marathons. And I get the comment always like, aren't you hot? And I'm like, 
well, maybe, but me being uncomfortable is just reminds me of how, you know, uncomfortable the process is in going through cancer treatments. And, and I mean, just even as just life in general is difficult, but it's like somehow we persevere. And at some point I'll be able to take the hat off and I'll be able to be cool again. And it's like, I look forward to that. I have a lot of time to think while I'm running. So I guess these are kind of things that pass through my head. Tying together as a musician and a fundraiser and a cancer research supporter, they're all tied together in your world. So when did you come up with Beneath the Skin? And is that different from Svenstock? Like, tell me a little bit about your musical endeavors. Beneath the Skin, I guess you could say that was the grandparent of, of what Svenstock became. Originally, when we were affiliates, my wife and I were affiliates with National Young Survival Coalition. We had a, a small Champaign-Urbana group. We wanted to do some fundraising and to support some of the activities we wanted to do. We wanted to do a breast cancer symposium, which we ended up doing at, at Parkland, where we had guests come in, do, do some different activities, as well as some scientific presentations. But that all kind of takes support and takes money. So I don't necessarily always review on the path that I take, I've taken, but I just always try to think about the path forward. So sometimes it's hard to reflect back and see how did I get here? And I'm trying to remember, I, I feel like there was, there was a point at which maybe we could just put together this event that has an auction and has a, I don't know, also has some music. And I just reach out to some local musicians and see if those local musicians are are even interested in like volunteering their time. Spoiler alert, pretty much all musicians here in Champaign-Urbana are the kindest people and are always willing to donate their time and share the talents that they have. Somebody told me about, about Ward, Ward Gollings, and and the high dive, and at the time, high dive, and said, well, why don't you, why don't you reach out to him? I think I might have even said, I think I might have even attempted, like, can we do something at Cowboy Monkey? Because I love that stage. But uh, Ward was like, no, you know what? You should just, you should just have, a, have it at, at high dive, because that's, that's a good, good area. There's, there's, there's good division of where things are at. And you could have your auction on one side, the silent auction on one side, and then the music on the other. And I guess, you know, we did that as part of the affiliate that we did that for only two years. And then they changed, YSC changed the model of their affiliate program and actually no longer had an affiliate program because they wanted to start pursuing more of the the research advocacy side of their, because they they recognize the fact that there's not a lot of research done on a metastatic breast cancer or young women with breast cancer. So their new focus was on that kind of advocacy. And at the time I was getting more into Immerman angels and running for them. And I always felt like Immerman angels was up for anything. So if I said, look, I've got this crazy idea. I want to do this. Is that something that you think, you know, I can at least get a post from Immerman Angels about or, or something like that. And they were always, you know, interested in anything. So at that point, I had, I had already started to kind of develop certain friendships with 
some of the local musicians. I was also going out to more shows because I was like, oh my, I, I just realized that in talking to a few people that I had just started to scratch the surface in terms of what, what was actually out there in, in local music. And I mean, if you, if you expand from like just Champaign-Urbana, then you, then you start bringing in like Bloomington and then you've got Springfield and Decatur and like it, it just, it blows my mind how like, I mean, I'll never run out of people to talk to is what's great about the Champaign area. I just started picking up items because I have my own like little studio here in the house and I, and I should do air quotes, but nobody can see that in the podcast. I had gotten a lot of mics and I've got, I have a few mixing boards and I started kind of throwing together a little, you know, a little bit of a PA. And then I knew, I knew people like Mike Ingram who were more than willing to share some of their, their resources, you know, for getting live music to happen. And it, it just, it really is its own community of support that I just, I keep feeling like I've, I've kind of unlocked the code, but then I keep finding that there's even deeper things to everything that I unlock. And so I guess a long story short is I just said, well, what the heck, why don't, why don't I just, you know, row a bunch of musicians together, have it go from one day to the next. And if people are going to be out on the property at our house, if they're going to be staying late into the night, I mean, we've got a pasture. Why not make it available for people to feel welcome to stay in camp? So like I've, we've opened that up for people to, you know, pitch a few tents and hang out afterwards. And then in the morning further incentivization, I said, I'll, I'll make pancakes for anybody that stays. So that's kind of how that turned around. One of the things I do want to give a shout out to is Jordan Schwartz, who has been kind of a silent and wonderful partner in in supporting Sven Stock and any of the other charity events that I've done. He's always been there, quietly supported, helped with setup and that kind of thing. So I just really would like to give him a shout out. I don't know if he, he will hear this, but those that know Jordan know that he is he is a kind gentle person that just gives and gives and never, never asks for anything in return. And I guess, you know, we, we have done spend stock for the last one, I guess last five years, but I'm, I'm talking pre COVID. So uh, the last one was 2019, but I always alternate between even and odd years. Ones, threes and fives were for Ingram and angels and the twos and fours and our, for another local charity. One more question before I let you go, Sven. I have to ask, if you could sit down with and spend an hour with any musician, dead or alive, just tell me who would mean the most to you. I don't know. I, there's, there's not anybody I can say that I'm like, oh, they would be amazing to talk to because honestly, like, if they're famous or they're amazing or whatever, their story is already out there. So to me, it's like, I'd much rather talk to somebody that's pounded the pavement for a long time and has done their own circuit. Maybe they're not famous, but their stories are just as valid as every every other famous person. The only difference is we haven't heard it before. And so it's new. It's interesting. It's fascinating. I mean, I almost want to think that I'd want to meet a musician that I know nothing about 
you know, I try to do my research when I speak and, and interview and I try to get everything all lined up. But I absolutely love it when I get surprised in an interview. I love being wrong, too. I mean, partially because they, they make for great little blooper reels at the end of the episode that I like to throw in. When I misinterpret a lyric or I am allowed to interpret lyrics however I'd like, however, I'd like to know the root of them. I said it in one of, I think it was episode 13, where I said, you know, I find it fascinating that my interpretation of your lyrics say more about me than they do about you. I don't know if I was trying to be all philosophical, but that was one of those things that I had said. And then I thought about it later. And I'm just like, that's the thing that I I think is so universal about music and, and why I really enjoy people's stories and where it comes from. You don't know where, where the roots are and we build ourselves on our own point of view and it, and it comes with its own circuit board in a weird way. And so as we understand other people's circuit boards, I think that that, that brings us into a bigger world. And I don't know, I'm so, I'm so waxing philosophical, but it's just like, in some ways, I get excited about the prospect of being able to just chat with with new people that I don't know. Should I just put Ryan Groff down for that answer? I think he'd like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, he would. You know, Ryan, episode 35, check it out. There are so many. I mean, yeah, go ahead, put Ryan Groff down. He'd like that. (laughs) How can I find your podcast? I am uploading to every single little thing I could possibly, I mean, even ones that I'm not meaning to, they're just like, I'm like, hey, I didn't know I did that. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, and and also at Podbean. You can find me. That's that's my host, and they do a great job of helping you connect with all different podcast venues. So I would say start Googling Champagne Is and you'll pretty much find the podcast. Thank you for listening to I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess, part of the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Thank you, Sven, for your time today. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Thank you so much.